You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone and welcome to another fiery episode today as we are going to be doing what we love best. And I don't mean Drone You, I don't mean Haya, I mean me. Yeah, I know, right? I love roasting the FAA, but I love roasting the FAA only when I actually have a legitimate point to prove because I really am in it for the safety of the industry. But for today's news show, If you like getting fiery, well then we're going to have a lot of fun. Joining me today as always for this week's new show, that's right, the Flying Dutchman himself, flying all the way from the Hudson Valley over the internet to the Rio Grande Valley. Haya, how's it going, my friend? Hey, buddy. Pretty good. How are you doing today? I am so excited to get this roast on, man. I am uh, I'm good. How are you? All right, let's go then. Let's get started. What do you got today to start with? Well, Haya, to start us off today, which normally you start us off, but to start us off today, the FAA came out with a video from the new administrator of the FAA, Steve Dixon. In this video, which was actually given at the Commercial UAV Expo, there are a lot of hints dropped as far as what the drone industry can expect for the rest of the year. And a couple of those new things to expect, as Mr. Dixon said, is, well, expect a final ruling on flight over people, even routine flights over people at night. In fact, he even said expect some sort of system to allow for BVLOS operations. Yet there were many other things, Haya, that were said that I think actually showcase a very grim, dark future for drone pilots. In fact, I have some really important notes over here I need to pull up. So one of the things that Mr. Dixon said in the very beginning of his overall talk was the fact that drone pilots need to prove and continue to prove that they're safe. Well, intellectual honesty, moment number one, Haya, with over 27 million flight hours just last year on DJI equipment alone, which only represents 82% of the overall market for hobby, recreational and commercial pilots, and only three actual known crashes, well, Haya, that means that drone pilots are statistically the safest group in aviation history. So thank you, Mr. Dixon, for allowing me to point that out. Number two, the uh, Mr. Dixon really focused on drone delivery. We're really trying to focus on drone delivery. And he gave a lot of numerous examples about how Wing and Amazon just got their part 135 certificate and they're so excited for the advancement of the overall industry. But one of the things that they talked about was how the FAA is supporting kids through drone delivery by giving them books for school. Well, Mr. Dixon, intellectual honesty moment number two. Let's go over the fact that, well, you could really be supporting kids with STEM education by not, you know, kind of killing hobby and recreational flights by inhibiting their ability to fly anywhere other than a FOIA which has to be a hundred and something acres. What is that all about? Anyway, long story short is the FAA is really doing a good job in trying to, well, play to your feelings, which is what we should expect from the FAA. They want to make you feel good. Everything's going fine. It's going peachy. And they even said that 
You should expect Remote ID to be published by the end of the year. So, Haya, just like last year, I'm getting ready for another Christmas morning surprise. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think that's what we're heading towards here. Um, I watched this video a couple of times and what stood out to me is that he, he really only talks to commercial drone applications and the whole fact that uh, people fly for fun and for recreational purposes as well wasn't really mentioned other than the two things that he pointed out. One was the, uh, the reference to clueless, careless and criminal drone pilots and the other one was the focus on safety. So. I mean, I know this was to an audience from a commercial UAV expo, so I understand that part. But um, the whole speech, this whole story was really geared towards larger commercial drone applications, such as the ones that we can see uh, in the future from Amazon, UPS and Wing. And, and the feeling that I got from listening to him talk for, I watched the video like three times, is that he sees the recreational drone pilots almost as a nuisance. Like we're kind of getting in the way of them pushing this industry forward rather than giving us our right to fly and the space to fly. And I think you share the same concern, but my worry is that we're going to see remote ID launched by the end of this year without any real significant modifications. And those 53,000 comments that, uh, that people spent quite a bit of time, I know plenty of people that spend a lot of time putting those documents together to provide their insights and their experience and their comments to the FEA. I think uh, not a lot is going to be done with that, unfortunately. I think you're absolutely 100% correct as the proof is in the pudding, Haya, because one of the things that I heard him say is that remote ID will be published by the end of the year and it will, it will allow law enforcement, government, and anyone with a smartphone to be able to see who is flying in the airspace around them. In the same sentence about mm, a few minutes prior, he mentioned that remote ID was a digital license plate system. So intellectual honesty point number three, if we're talking about a license plate system, well, historically speaking, license plates give drivers privacy. And remote ID does not give drone pilots privacy when the FAA administrator is saying that anyone with a smartphone can see yep. who's flying. Well, this is not the first time that Mr. Dixon has actually been roasted by, uh, well, his colleagues for not really promoting a safe environment. In fact, during his congressional hearing back in 2019, many congressional Democrats and Republicans even mentioned the fact that Mr. Dixon was involved in a case where two people from Delta had actually notated and reported some pretty large safety violations and they were trying to make it a better environment. Well, Mr. Dixon, well, he, you know what he did? Supposedly, we weren't there, we don't know, right? But supposedly, he forced those employees to go through psychiatric evaluations. And I don't know about you, Haya, but I'm just going to stop this train before it gets started because this guy is clearly playing with people's heads. He's got a record of it. And us young millennials, well, we're not going to take any of your geriatric bullshit. Not at all. We need to keep this real. And frankly, Mr. Dixon, I think this is for your benefit as well. Because if you roll out a remote ID without any protection for drone pilots and privacy, you are not creating a safer environment for drone pilots. Actually, you're creating a less safe environment. So crazy people who are worried about the government spying on them can now come across drone pilots even more. Frankly, sir, no one's going to comply with these rules, myself included. And this is not how we create a safer environment and use what the FAA 
really has been a leader for other government agencies in performance-based risk standards. I mean, let's talk about really building systems that empower the kids, that empower the hobbyists, that empower the commercial pilots, and even empower, well, commercial aviation. But because commercial aviation volume is at all-time lows, it seems like, Mr. Dixon, you have a phenomenal opportunity to really come up with some creative solutions that serve everyone in the drone industry. And frankly, I don't think it would be very hard when we know just how many other government agencies are trying to communicate with you about some of these upcoming problems that are going on with remote ID. And Haya, the proof is once again in the pudding. When you talk about your concern, they haven't listened to the 53,000 comments. If we use the rules of FBI veteran negotiator, no, not Chris Voss, but rather a gentleman who wrote the book called Sizing People Up, another FBI yeah, agent who really showcases how body language is the true indicator for authenticity and honesty. And based off of those rules, Haya, I would say, let's expect a remote ID that everyone doesn't want. And I hope I'm wrong, damn it. Yeah, just to, to add to this, I mean, I totally agree with what you just mentioned about uh, if those rules are going to be so restrictive and so complicated and so overly expensive, people are not going to comply with these rules. And that goes right against the safety theme that the FBA is always pushing forward. If people don't comply, then the whole system kind of falls apart. And we know, already. I think you even had it in your questionnaire as well. We know that a lot of people are not planning to comply with remote ID for drones the way it has been proposed by the FBA in its original form when it was published at the end of last year, right after Christmas. The other thing I think is uh, problematic with it, it's, it's not just only for drones, but also for RC uh, airplanes. Um, if you make equipment so hard and difficult to fly and the tools and the equipment that you need becomes expensive and the places where you can fly are limited, restricted, and, and not just limited in uh, the number of places and locations, but also in the space that you can use to fly, you take all the fun out of it. And we know what happens when you take the fun out of things. Kids don't want to do it. Kids don't want to play with it. Kids don't want to get into those hobbies anymore. And then I think long-term what eventually end up happening is you, is you start to restrict your talent pipeline, if you will with talent that eventually might make it into the aviation industry or the drone industry. So I think by taking the fun out of these hobbies, that effect wouldn't be necessarily visible right away. But I think down the road, you're going to see that we're going to get a lot less people getting into these industries. And I think that's the opposite of what we want. I couldn't agree more. And while I want kids to grow and learn, one of the biggest challenges with the current education system is the lack of inspiration and motivation for these kids. And we're seeing so many after school programs to get these kids into building things and learning what they love, learning what to do. And drones are a phenomenal way to get kids into engineering, into math, into some of these really basic sciences. So when we talk about remote ID and the way it's proposed, if it comes out that way, that it would crush, absolutely crush the hobby. I mean, look at AOPA coming together with even Google Wing, coming together even with that's right, the AMA, to say if you come out with remote ID as proposed, you will ruin the hobby. You will ruin recreational pilots. Now, that said, what was not in that letter and document from those groups was the fact that a lot of these people already have drones, from micro drones to planes to small, you know, traditional helicopters. It's nearly impossible to have any retrofit for those aircraft. And I would ask Mr. Dixon, at what point when we hurt STEM education, when we hurt the children of this nation, are we forever setting back the overall success of our country when we are not pushing out some of the most, well, 
educated and passionate students of the world. Whew, Haya, I just have to say, um, I think right now we should expect for a remote ID to come down the pipe exactly as it was proposed. I give it December 26th, the day after Christmas, just like last year. And frankly, I give it a month or two after that before we see numerous federal lawsuits that just say the FAA is not actually keeping the skies safe anymore. These rules could actually hurt everyone from ATP to regular commercial pilots at Southwest to GA to us. It hurts everyone. And when we create an environment of chaos, try, you know, the genie's already out of the bottle once, but, you know, when you start getting the aggressive genies coming out, try putting them back in the bottle, you know, and then I think overall the drone industry would hurt too. You know, there is so much information in that address. It showcases exactly where the mindset is too, Haya, and I think you nailed it 100% that it's just commercial operators. I'd like to remind everyone, you know, the teams here at Drone You have changed. There's a reason for that. And there's also a reason that in this entire year, we are not playing drone police. We are not dividing between recreational pilots and commercial pilots. Peter Dis back in 2017 railed someone who plays drone police all the time saying we can't divide drone pilots otherwise the FAA plays divide and conquer and wins we have seen that it's time to unify against the FAA look ladies and gentlemen it is very clear what they're capable of what they're not it's also very clear that the real life aspects of a safe flying environment cannot be understood by people who don't actually fly drones Haya, and I seriously question to the Office of Management and Budget, where's the accountability here? Where is the accountability that this guy is the blind leading the blind and only exacerbates the problems that we had in the past? There were some things that Daniel did that I was actually really excited about and thought were great positive indicators. That's all gone. You know what the, the, the real issue is, I think, and it, it shows in different ways, is that there aren't enough people within the FEA that actually fly drones, either recreationally or professionally, and know what flying a drone is all about. And you see it when you look at the DAC committee, there's hardly any drone pilots on that committee as well. You see it in the uh, uh, remote ID NPRM, uh, just the fact that you get 53,000 comments and most of those are not positive. Like they're pretty critical, even though they're constructive, they're pretty critical. It's an indication that something's wrong with what you're proposing, something's wrong with what you're suggesting. And I think if you step back and look at the bigger picture, I think maybe what we're getting at is that rather than just having the FAA, maybe within or next to the FAA, there should be a separate FAA for unmanned aviation uh, run by people who actually know drones, fly drones, work with drones, do it for a living and know what they're talking about. And, you know, the icing on the cake, Haya, is did we not just see on the federal level that Edward Snowden claiming that the federal collection of domestic data on citizens of the United States over cellular networks, we just saw in the last couple weeks, the federal government came out and said, Edward Snowden was right. We can't do that. Right. Okay, so federal collection of data over cellular networks. How does remote ID not completely breach that? I'm, I'm yeah. serious. Like I'm it asking a question right here. Like seriously, you know.
Um, what I what I know from talking to different people is that uh, the the ones with legal experience they all say you can't fight something until it's final. So you can't really fight against other than submitting your comments, but you can't really fight against a proposed set of rules. You have to wait until those rules are finalized. And we know from the FPV community, we know well we know from a range of people, some of whom actually have uh, considerate legal experience, that once these rules are final, yeah, you're going to see lawsuits. I'm I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, and I mean seriously, hi. At what point are we actually making the skies less safe for everybody who participates in them? And that's a legitimate, real concern. Look, I love to fly and I like to be safe because I've been a pilot myself. Yes, a real manned pilot. And I've seen the consequences of what happens when things go wrong. And I see how drone pilots lack empathy for manned pilots in a lot of those senses. But what I don't think manned pilots understand is that what they're fighting for in remote ID, they don't fundamentally understand and that it could actually hurt everyone in the process. But that brings us to our next piece of news, which this is actually uh, one of the guys I have recently followed on Twitter as I really love enjoying reading his tweets uh, because he and I share a fascination with holding the FAA accountable and really trying to provide practical means, practical real life information that's going to help us all move forward. And Mr. X-Jet, I know uh, his name is Bruce Simpson. Recently, well, Haya, he did something that I think all of us really need to see, which is exemplify just how easy it is to, well, collaboratively fly in the airspace. Haya, what do you have? Yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned his name, Bruce Simpson, uh, better known as XJet on YouTube. He's he like you. He's very passionate. He has a pretty strong technical background as well. I mean, I don't know him that well, but based on the videos that I've seen, what he did recently is he put together an ADS-B in do-it-yourself handheld kits. So this is not mounted inside your drone. This is uh, an extra piece of equipment, basically the size of an older cell phone, uh, not 2000s, but maybe the 1990s, 1980s perhaps. It's pretty substantial, but then also it's pretty cheap. You can make this yourself for less than $100. Uh, you get all the different components. He's gonna, I think he's working on actually making a guide as to how to make it. Of course, you can make it better, you can make it smaller, you can make it more expensive, all those good things. But he showed that for less than a hundred American dollars, you can actually build a handheld ADS-B inset, which will allow you when you fly your drone and you turn that thing on, it's going to tell you and warn you about any approaching aircraft, helicopters or manned airplanes, basically, as long as they have ADS-B out, turned on and in their aircraft, of course, if they don't have it, this stuff is not going to work. But in those cases that it's available, it's a great warning system to alert you from any uh, aircraft that might be in the vicinity so that at least you're aware or uh, better yet, bring down your drone and make sure that you're in a safe situation. It's also important to point out here that DJI, uh, as of last year, they announced this uh, and as of this year, they've implemented it. They're doing uh, ADS-B in within their drones and built into their app as well for all the drones over 250 grams as of 2020. So the first drone that they've come out with this year was a DJI Mavic Air 2 and that already has that equipment built in and we've seen videos where people fly their drones and sure enough when there's an airplane close by uh, 
it warns you on your device, which is, I think it's a great safety feature. Now, of course, that's only restricted to that particular drone model, whereas what Bruce Simpson has done, he's shown that, hey, for a hundred bucks, you can build this and it works with any drone because there's no real connection to the drone. What I also wanted to mention, I think you touched upon this uh, earlier in the show as well, but I read through comments from Brandon Schumann in uh, that he uh, supplied to the FEA comments to the type certification. And what he said is that if you estimate and, and calculate the number of hours that small drones have flown in 2019, you end up with 87.8 million flights, which is 2.3 million hours of flying. And we have zero fatalities. There have been incidents for sure, but there are zero fatalities. If you were to take the ratio of accidents with manned aviation, and you apply that to this, if we had the same risk ratio of manned aviation, then there would have been 103 fatal drone accidents in 2019 if we had the same risk ratio compared to manned aviation. Now, in fact, there's only been zero, so it shows you how much safer drones are compared to manned aviation, which I think is, uh, is something we cannot stress enough because it's all about safety, isn't it? You know, it's funny. It is all about safety. And there's a couple things that you mentioned. So ADSB for everyone, that's something that, well, the FAA tried to implement a digital license plate for manned aircraft. And you know what's really interesting, Haya, is you said something that's just so poignant to the reality of the FAA. Okay, ADSB was enacted, what, 10, 20 years ago, and planes still do not squawk on ADSB. Doesn't that show the reality of the success of ADSB for regular planes? What does that foreshadow then for a digital license plate system for drones? Well, it's a good question. But anyway, this brings me to another point here, Haya, which is in further looking up the complaints against the administrator, Mr. Dixon, the pilot in which was the whistleblower for the safety violation, Carlene Petit, was grounded for more than a year because Delta had handpicked a doctor that stated she was not mentally fit. In fact, the uh, FAA later overturned that. And uh, in May, the FAA notified Petit's attorney that it was investigating another one of her complaints of Dixon, that Delta failed to fully enact a required safety management system. So Haya, when I'm looking at what my parents told me to look at when it comes to data, which is empirical evidence, right? What you see, what you know, what is proven. Well, Haya, it looks like safety may not actually be the real purpose of remote ID. I think that's uh, the conclusion we already drew earlier this year, right? I mean, it's really to support and push forward commercial larger corporations like Amazon, like Wing, like UPS, and probably Walmart in the near future as well. Yeah, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about recreational pilots at all. When Google Wing comes out and says remote ID is very flawed and we need to change it, and they're one of the main beneficiaries of remote ID, that tells you everything that you need to know. And it really makes me just want to start a GoFundMe to join all the people suing the FAA once this comes out. But I agree with you. It hasn't come out. There's an opportunity for the FAA to really empathize with drone pilots and really think deeply about what is truly safe for the national airspace system. And then I think if we look at that in a practical means of flight, we could really actually do a lot of good. And in fact, I would challenge Mr. Dixon. Mr. Dixon, I will travel anywhere in the United States at any time to, that's right, fly with you. I would like to fly a drone with you. 
I'll even bring an obstacle course. I'll go over some engine run-up tests to explain why we taught these things to the NTSB and why we're, you know, required and in writing for the, yeah, never mind. Long story short is, Haya, you can only <laughs> learn from experience. So I'm just grateful that I live in a country where I can talk about this freely, where we can bring up these ideals, and uh, hopefully the, the government won't, you know, squash me in the background. I don't think that they will. I love America. So... At the end of the day, Haya, I think what this is really all about is, are we really making a safer environment? And you said it yourself. The answer is no. Exjet is saying it himself. The answer is no. But in the wake of this, it seems like one of the most, you know, controlled airspaces in the entire country who has been so anti-drone because of laws that have been on the books for decades. Well, it seems like New York City might be pivoting to allow for drones to actually fly in the city. Haya, why are facade inspections making the FAA, I mean, New York City regulators think twice about allowing takeoff and landing? Yeah, so New York uh, is a huge city, a ton of people on a very small piece of property, uh, small islands, a lot of big buildings, tall buildings, and it is, is a very complicated uh, environment, especially when you're flying. Now, there's a couple of things going on. There was a, uh, I think it's almost a 70-year-old rule that has been applied in New York that does not allow to take off and land any kind of aircraft outside of designated areas. And it technically means that you're not allowed to land or launch a drone or take off with a drone anywhere in the city outside of five designated parks uh, where recreational flight is allowed. So drone flying is not allowed. Uh, doesn't really matter if you're flying recreationally or commercially, uh, it's a no-go in, uh, in New York City. And this is not just Manhattan, this is the Bronx, Queens, uh, Staten Island as well. So that has been a problem. At the same time, in New York, there's also a um, set of rules that uh, forces landlords and property owners to inspect the facades of their buildings, so that's the, the front and the side basically of the buildings, for any cracks or deterioration. And over the last couple of years, we've seen bits and pieces of buildings come down every so often, and probably the most infamous one was last year when Erica Tishman, she's an she used to be an architect, was hit uh, close to Times Square by a piece of building that came falling down. So. These building inspections are very important, but of course, as you know, with all those high rises in New York, it's not so easy to perform these uh, inspections. They're done manually, so scaffolding goes up, and typically that scaffolding stays in place for years and years and years. And of course, within the drone industry and DJI, actually, they have an, uh, an office in New York City. Uh, they at one point even had a um, uh, gathering about this with some legal people to talk about this issue. You could use drones to fly around these high rises and skyscrapers and inspect those buildings. So you could do it more frequently you could do it much faster you could do it safer uh, you wouldn't need all the scaffolding you don't need people up there so it's, it's such an obvious opportunity to use drones in manhattan but of course that wasn't allowed and i think the first time they tried to get uh, legislation passed to allow for this type of uh, drone use was back in 2018 that didn't really go anywhere now the city council has uh, proposed it again and it actually has passed this time and new york city is uh, going to conduct a study into the use of drones to perform building facade inspections now the study itself is going to run until the end of 2021 and then of course it needs to be evaluated and analyzed and discussed and whatnot so it might take some time before we actually see drones flying in new york uh, my guess is initially it will probably be very specifically focused on those building inspections so it doesn't mean that 
that you can go fly your uh, drone in, uh, in Central Park. But it's still a big breakthrough at the same time. I mean, one, it makes a ton of sense to do these building facade inspections with drones because of all the obvious benefits. Two, it's a first step and a first breakthrough, if you will, to allow for drone flight in Manhattan. And I'm sure the film industry is probably looking at this as well. Real estate is probably looking at this because I'm sure people are anxious to start using drones in Manhattan or in New York City for those purposes as well. So we'll see what happens. We have to be patient, I, uh, I'm afraid, but uh, at least this is, uh, this is quite a breakthrough here. I think it's good news overall. I think it's great news. The value of drones is being understood and thus they're being allowed to fly. I think that's fantastic. In our next piece of news, though, it looks like drones, well, they do truly save lives and they do truly help out society. Can you imagine being a young parent like Haya, having a three-year-old, I mean 12-year-old, I mean three-year-old, uh, <laughs> having a three-year-old child and then all of a sudden that that child, you look around and it's quiet. It's too quiet. Where's, where did your kid go? All of a sudden you figure out that your kid walked out the door and now they're missing. Can you imagine the feeling? Can you imagine the regret, the distraught? Can you imagine just the worry, the overwhelming emotion? Would you feel better if you knew a drone was coming to play the voice of the mother, to help bring the attention of the child and to find that child? I know I didn't do a very good job of showcasing how one three-year-old boy was found using a drone and his mother's voice over the speaker of the drone. Hiya, what do you have here, buddy? Yeah, this takes us to Western Australia, actually the southern part of Western Australia. Uh, in an environment, I mean, you, you kind of described the situation. Uh, kid is playing outside with the dogs from the family. Mom goes back in to take care of a younger child, comes back out again after a couple of minutes, and the three-year-old boy is uh, is gone and nowhere to be found. Now, the thing that you have to take into consideration as well is that this was not just, let's say, a uh, suburban area with parks and pavement and all that stuff. Uh, Western Australia is much more rugged. Uh, there was rain, there was hail, and it's a very uh, rough terrain with dense forests and dense bushland. So when you lose a child in that environment, uh, forget about all the wildlife that you have in Australia. I mean, that adds a whole other level of worry, I would imagine. But it's not a walk in the park, uh, so to say, to go out and find your child. So what happened is that uh, once the kid was uh, reported missing, they launched quite a substantial search party. So they had uh, police officers, state emergency service volunteers, they had mounted police, sniffer dogs, helicopter, and then they had their local volunteers as well as a drone. And I don't know for sure, but I suspect it might have been a DJI Mavic uh, 2 Enterprise with one of those loudspeakers mounted. Because what they did is they recorded the mother's voice calling out for her child and they use that drone with the recording to fly over that area and say, hey, this is your mom speaking. If you see this drone, follow it because it's gonna take you back home. So a very innovative way to use a drone, I think. I mean, we know that drones have been used to find people, uh, missing people, because of course, with an aerial perspective, it's much easier to see. We've seen drones with thermal cameras being very successful at this as they can find the heat signatures of bodies. But this is a novel way of using a drone. I thought it was very smart. In the end, it wasn't the drone that actually uh, rescued the kid. It was the grandfather who had uh, driven down from Perth because he had heard the news and figured, hey, I want to help and of course, find my, uh, my grandfather. 
grandchild. And he actually ended up finding the kids less than a mile from his home. So it is hard to believe that you have such a massive search party covering a much, much larger area than where he was actually found. And you find uh, the boy so close to home. Luckily, he was uh, he was uninjured. He wasn't hurt. He was just uh, anxious and, and hungry um, and all ended well. Um, but I wanted to bring this story up here today because I think it's a great example of how we can use drones in ways that people might not have thought about. And who knows, maybe this idea can help save somebody else's life in a different situation uh, some other day and uh, somewhere else. So I think it's a great story here. I think it's a fantastic story. And it's just one, one more way that we can showcase how drones are just really incredibly useful for helping humans, helping each other and, uh, and bringing little children back to their moms. And that brings us to our very last story today. Hi, I wanted to fit one more in because I thought it was good, even though you sent me a video of nothing. That's right, as one helicopter pilot is saying that a Mavic Mini was nefariously hovering over their helipad, inhibiting them from, well, doing things. I don't think it inhibited them from anything though, as their prop wash slammed the Mavic Mini into an obstruction. Haya, what's going on here, bud? Yeah, this uh, is a story where uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, an Aeromet helicopter that was trying to land at Butterworth Hospital, actually they saw a drone hovering over the helipad. And in the end, they did land the helicopter safely and they were also able to retrieve the drone. And we have a picture of them holding the drone in front of the helicopter. Now, of course, as you mentioned, the prop watch of a helicopter versus a DJI Mavic Mini that weighs uh, at best, let's say 249 grams, that thing would get blown out of the air instantly. So it makes you wonder where the heck they even found that drone, but apparently they got it. And the FAA is even investigating this case. They're probably wondering if there's a criminal clueless or reckless uh, drone pilots here. Hold on a minute. If it's below 250 grams, then it's not subject to a lot. No, no, no. Then you don't have to register it if you fly it recreationally. You still have to follow all the other rules that apply. So you can't fly higher than what? Well, you know all the rules. So we'll see what's going to happen here. It's it's interesting. There, there's a video as well, and we looked at the video. We initially thought that you could actually see the drone in the video, but it turns out that might not be the case. So we're curious to find out where the heck they find this drone, and of course, if they are able to identify the pilot, and then whatever the next steps are going to be. The FEA is involved, so we should hear something. Although in other cases where the FAA was involved, uh, most notably the one where at the beginning of the coronavirus in Manhattan, somebody was flying a drone with a loudspeaker issuing um, social distancing orders to people in the park. And the FAA investigated that one as well. But I don't think anything ever came from that. So we'll see if that's going to be different this time. I suspect not. Uh, but hey, it made the headlines. It sure did. And I mean, we're, we're still waiting to hear information on that drone pilot who broke pretty much every uh, commercial drone rule for Balloon Fiesta. And uh, Balloon Fiesta wouldn't allow anyone else to even apply to fly in that same uh, airspace in TFR. And I haven't heard anything come of that either. So it makes you wonder, what is the community learning right now? But that's not for me to determine. That's for the listeners to determine themselves, Because, well, we all have a personal responsibility to, that's right, use our brains. Anyway, Haya, that brings us to the end of our show, which it seems like the FAA's 
foreshadowing what to expect here in December, or maybe they're not. And honestly, if they did listen to those 53,000 comments, well, the drone industry might end up further ahead. But because we don't know what's coming, well, it's hard to really do anything about it. But that also brings us to all those other stories about drones helping people and really, well, doing what drones do best which is being used as a tool to open up the airways for everyone. Haya, thanks again for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, man, my pleasure. And we'll see you not next week, but later this week, I think. That's right. So we're going to try to do two new shows per week, and we're excited to bring you more news because we believe in the, well, things are going to be ramping up this quarter as far as the drone industry is concerned. So we're going to be here to bring you all those headlines and more in-depth coverage. We're gonna provide you the information that you will not find anywhere else. Why? Well, because we actually fly. On that bombshell, that's gonna do it for us today. I am, well, they call me taking flight. They call him the Flying Dutchman. They call this Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.